This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. Peter Oleshuga is our guest on this Coach Developer podcast, where we talk about the importance of coach self-care. Pete is a BPS Chartered Psychologist and Senior Lecturer in Psychology at Sheffield Hallam University. In the podcast, we build a coach first aid kit, which includes the three vital elements of self-awareness, self-compassion and vulnerability. When you are listening to the podcast, you might want to take some time to consider what effective self-care looks like for you in your coaching environment. Are you able to notice changes in how you deal with stresses, be kind to yourself and be okay with not being all things to all people all the time when you're coaching? We hope you enjoy listening to the next 45 minutes as much as we enjoyed recording it. We start the conversation as Pete explains what coach self-care means to him. A lot of times coaches are so concerned and rightly so with their athletes and their athletes' performance and making sure that their athletes have all the performance skills that they need to be able to compete uh, and all of the psychological skills they need to be able to compete. They're so focused on that that what tends to happen is there's a little bit of a lack of attention on themselves so self-care really is just paying attention to yourself as a coach your own needs uh, your own performance needs personal needs uh, psychological needs uh, and making sure that you're taking care of yourself as well as your athletes just in terms of painting a picture of your journey and, and your interests around this could you just tell us a little bit about kind of what, what's brought you to kind of really focusing on self-care in your research and and kind of the, the, the type of work that you tend to do yeah well my my, my background is is in coaching uh from well i suppose a long time ago now but i used to uh coach basketball never coached at any sort of great level or anything like that but um coached basketball from from quite a young age and found psychology as well uh, academically. So I studied my psychology degree, went back to study for a master's in sports psychology. Uh, I didn't even know sports psychology existed when I was doing uh, psychology and when I was coaching. So I found that and went back to study that and um, eventually found my way to doing a PhD in this area. And like I said, because I was involved in coaching from, from quite a young age and because I had an interest in, in psychology, um, my PhD was based around the psychology of coaching. Uh, in particular, uh, coaches' experiences of stress, uh, what kind of things cause coaching stress, how they respond to it, how they deal with it. Uh, and uh, as, as that PhD was coming to, to an end, the final study was putting together a coach intervention like how do we help coaches who are experiencing stress? Because stress is like a natural part of sport, right? We all experience it. It's a natural part of life as well. So how do we help coaches uh, deal with, manage the stresses that they're experiencing in, in this environment? Um, from that, my research sort of transitioned into looking at uh, burnout and, and well-being more generally. Uh, and kind of what can we do to essentially help coaches be well in a high-performance environment. Because like I said, we know that the high-performance environment is stressful. Uh, We know it's stressful for coaches as well as athletes. So how can we help coaches work on their well-being? Um, So long story short, obviously started off in coaching, loved psychology, and those two things have come together. So that's why I kind of study this this particular area. Nice. Um, When you started your research... And you started to kind of look, look into this area, especially around the kind of the stress in coaching. 
did you find that that was an area that was uh, well read and well researched or um, had, had this been investigated much before? Um, it had, yeah. I mean, when I when I first started, there was some research that had looked at high performance coaching, but not a lot. Uh, a lot of the research in this area, and a lot of sports psychology research in general, to be honest, tends to be with uh, collegiate level athletes um, in North American samples, because that's what we have easy access to as researchers in North America. Anyway, um, there there is some uh, research that looked at Olympic level athletes and Olympic level coaches. Um, but we wanted to kind of further that on and, and, and take that on the sort of next step. I guess since then, because this is, you know, uh, 14, 15 years ago now, there is a ton of research out there on coaching stress, coaching stressors, how they uh, manage it, respond to it and deal with it. So it's a, it's a really big in, uh, area of interest um, because, you know, coaches are performers as well. They perform in slightly different ways to their athletes, um, but a lot of the ways that they perform are exactly the same. So, you know, managing um, the demands of training and competition, um, having to set performance goals and plans and stick to those plans and high performance sport, dealing with the media, things like that. These are all things that coaches have to do just the same, you know, the same way that athletes have to do as well. So, you know, coaches being looked at as performers themselves is um, the way that the research has certainly gone in the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so. And I'm I'm making an assumption here, but but I'm guessing if if coaches are better at looking after themselves, then ultimately the experience they give to their athletes is is just going to be better. Yeah, I'm you know some of the uh, some of the research out there, and particularly in one of my studies in particular, um, athletes know when their coaches are stressed. Like they can tell. You might think that you're hiding it uh, really well, that you know you're this kind of cool calm collected coach on the sidelines but athletes know when you're when you're stressed out they can tell so you know and, and obviously that has a knock-on impact on everybody else who's around you as you know again forget sport as people we know that when we're stressed that has an impact on people around us right so yeah coaches being aware of managing learning how to deal with their own stress and taking care of themselves uh, can only have a, a positive impact on not only themselves, but everybody else who's around them as well. Their athletes, other coaches, support staff, everybody who's involved in trying to bring this this performance to, together. So in terms of our conversation today, there's a few things we'd like to explore to maybe help coaches be better prepared for looking after themselves. Um, and ideally to almost build this virtual first aid kit that coaches might be able to dip into. Mm -hmm. So that they are feeling out or stressed or just noticing things differently about their performance there's maybe some strategies for them to go and lean upon to, to be able to kind of look after themselves and, and take care of themselves and you, you mentioned stress there and I suppose stress for anyone regardless of coaching or not must manifest itself for lots of different reasons and and emerge in in lots of different ways so is there anything that coaches can do to be more aware of themselves especially when it comes to, to something like that? Yeah, I think, you know, the key point that you made there was the fact that it manifests itself for a, a whole bunch of different reasons. So not everybody experiences stress in the same ways uh, and different things cause stress in different people. Um, I suppose that the, the first really important thing is to understand what stress is and how it works. And the analogy that I like to use is um, to look at it like a seesaw, right? 
So on one side of the seesaw, you've got all of the different things, the demands uh, that coaches might face. So these can be environmental demands, you know, the uh, pressure of the um, sport environment itself, uh, the pressure to win medals or produce results, right? There are uh, personal stressors. So things that might be going on in the coach's life completely outside of sport, all right? Um, uh, competition stressors, so things that the athletes might be doing might be uh, stressors for coaches as well. So there's all of these demands, and they're all on one side of this seesaw. Now, if you imagine on the other side of the seesaw are the coaches coping resources. So the things that they have that allow them to cope with those stresses. So that might be social support, you know, being able to talk with their family or other coaches. It might be things, you know, anything that they do to de-stress, right? Anything that, you know, uh, their ability to stay calm and relaxed is a coping resource, right? So you've got this, this seesaw and when it's balanced, we're, we're in good shape, right? We're not experiencing stress. We've got all of these demands, but we're pretty happy that we can cope with them. What happens when we experience stress is either the demands start to pile up, so we experience more of them, or they become more intense, so they become heavier, or we start to see, or we start to believe that we don't have the ability to cope with them. So you've got either one side of this seesaw getting heavier or the other side getting lighter. And what it does is it throws everything out of balance. And when things are out of balance, that's when we experience stress. So in terms of, you know, this, this kind of thing around self-awareness, what can coaches do to be aware? The first thing is to understand what are your stresses? What are the things that typically pile up on this one side of the seesaw, right? And once we know what they are, and perhaps what some of those kind of stress triggers might be, then we can start to notice when they're piling up or when they're getting bigger, right? So we can start to notice that in advance and perhaps cut it off at the pass. Uh, or the other thing that we need to start noticing is um, when, when we feel like we're not coping. So when the coping side of the seesaw is getting a little bit lighter, we need to start to notice that. You know, when we're not coping, am I responding slightly differently to the stresses that I would normally experience? Um, you know, am I uh, a little bit more irritable than normal? Um, uh, and, you know, is, is the way that I'm responding to stress changing in some way? So noticing those things and being self-aware about those things, I think, is really, really important. Um, I think the other thing to say uh, here that, that that is that is vital is that stress is you know we said it already stress is inevitable um it is part of high performance sport it's well it's part of not high performance sport as well you know stress is inevitable it's part of the environment we're going to experience it so it's not just noticing when we're experiencing stress because that's normal it's noticing when it's different to normal and that's the the, the key um area where i think self-awareness comes into comes into play that's really fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking, like, in terms of your, your seesaw analogy, you could apply the same framework, I'm guessing, to other things that could impact on kind of coaches' self-care. So, I guess, fatigue and burnout, and then your, your strategies to be able to deal with them and, and keeping that balance, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if we're experiencing fatigue, for example, the normal coping resources that we might have on one side of the seesaw might be slightly diminished. You know, when we're tired, uh, when we've been, you know, at the end of like a, a, a two week intense period, right? Um, 
that's when our coping resources might be a little bit lighter. So the demands that we're facing might not necessarily be changing. We not, might not be experiencing more stresses. We're just not as well equipped to cope with them. So noticing that sort of side of things as well is just as important as being aware of okay, what are the stresses that are in the environment. Here. And you, you mentioned something a second ago around just being more aware of when things are different to normal, which I think is a really nice way of putting it rather than just being things, things changing. Um, I suppose from a self-awareness perspective, that could be the coach to an extent, kind of recognising things in themselves. And you said earlier that actually athletes will pick up on this stuff as well. So are there other people who, and this might be a really obvious question, but are there other people kind of who are around a coach who actually could play a part in supporting the coach be more self-aware about how they, how things might be different to normal? I, I think so, yeah, and and I'm sure we'll kind of get onto this a little bit later on in this discussion as, as to maybe some of the, the difficulties in doing that. But certainly, you know, other other coaches, uh, and again, we'll come onto this a little bit later, I would imagine. But you know, having um, a support system that's outside of the sport that you're working in is really important because you know a coach saying to you you know, you look tired, are you okay? You might not necessarily want to open up to a coach in your own sport about that, whereas you might talk to somebody else. So this is where family and friends become really important as well um, because they will notice when you are maybe a little bit more irritable than normal um, or, you know, fatigued more than normal. Um, so, that, yeah, certainly there are other people. I think for athletes and coaches within the sport that you're working in to have those conversations is difficult. It's not impossible and it's something that we should probably work towards, but it's perhaps more difficult. So having that support system outside of sport, um, like I say, other coaches, friends, family, uh, are really important there in, in terms of, um, again, maybe just facilitating those conversations uh, about how, we, how are you managing with things at the minute? You know, how are you, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Awesome, cool. So we've got self-awareness uh, in terms of our, our first thing, packing it into our, our, our first thing. Um, what will come, come next for you, Pete? What else is really important for coaches to better kind of consider putting in there? Um, so, yeah, so self-awareness is key, and, and obviously that reflection is a really important, uh, a really important part of that. Um, I think once we are able to be a little bit more aware of some of those stresses and how we're responding to it. You know, what are the, what are the stresses this week? What's happened? What did I do to cope? Was it effective? You know, have I got the resources to, to, to deal with this stuff again? Once we're at that stage where we can reflect on that, um, as well as, you know, cause it's natural for coaches are great at reflection, right? Because they do it all the time. And as part of your coaching practice, you have to reflect on things, right? You have to reflect on how it went. What we're not so good at is doing what I just said, reflecting on, right, what happened this week? Stresses, how did I cope? Was it effective? Can I deal with this again? Would I do this differently? We, we tend to not reflect on those sorts of things. Once we're able to do that, I think the next stage is probably um, just being a little bit kinder to ourselves about that. So self-compassion is how we'd, uh, we'd probably describe that. You mentioned, Pete, about kindness and the importance for coaches to show themselves a little bit of kindness so that that must be quite difficult for coaches to do that sometimes because from experience myself try to be all things to all people as a coach you want to be a one with your performance and make sure that the athletes have the best possible experience and 
supportive to the other coaches in your team and well-planned and prepared and able to continue your learning. And there's so many things which are going on, which perhaps a lot of pressure might come from within as a coach. So being able to be kind to yourself might not necessarily always feel straightforward. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And the, the key phrase for me that you mentioned there was feeling the need to be all things to all people almost all the time. Um, from some of the research, again, that I've done with, uh, with Jordan Kenter, a researcher over in, in Sweden, one of the studies that we looked at was coaches' experiences of burnout. And one of the key, I guess, situational factors, one of the things that really contributed to their burnout was exactly what you just said, this need to be all things to all people all the time. We called it a Superman complex, where coaches don't want to delegate. They don't want to show any signs of um, like weakness, I guess. Um, they don't want to perhaps admit that they're not necessarily dealing with this particular one and that they just need a little bit of help in this area. So, yeah, there's that expectation, self-expectation, you know, that uh, you should be able to deal with this stress. You should be able to manage it. Um, if you're an elite coach working in a, a high-performance environment, then you should be able to manage all of these demands. Um, so, yeah, I guess self-compassion, that, that kindness, perhaps comes a little bit more um, it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, to, 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 to do that. This might be different in different environments and, and again, highly contextual for coaches. But from, from your experience and from the research that you've done, why, why do you believe that actually there is this kind of toughness that might surround some coaches in terms of feeling like they have to be like that? Is it, is it a cultural thing that's kind of associated with, with sport in, in, in general or is it something maybe different to that? Um, I mean, the honest answer is I don't really know. Um, I think certainly if you think about high-performance sport and you think about how it's packaged and portrayed and the language that we use in sport, you know, we celebrate things like um, resilience and grit and determination and strength and, you know, the kind of things that are, uh, the things that really sell, mental toughness, mental strength, right? Um, and it's all about this notion of um, not being vulnerable, not showing any weakness, being able to drive through and, you know, stay motivated, stay focused, not let anything get to you. That's how we talk about sport and that's how we perceive sport, right? It's a kind of survival of the fittest type environment. Um so the, the, the very language that we use and the way that we talk about things uh, isn't really conducive to things like kindness and vulnerability. Uh, they, they are, I guess, you know, you know, coaches feel the need to hold up that mask almost of stoicism that, right, I'm dealing with this, everything's fine, right? I'm fully able to cope with stress because that's what's celebrated in this environment of sport. I think... It, it, Interesting that you kind of um, mentioned whether it's something else or not. I, again, I don't know. Like culturally, um, if you combine that environment with our own British stiff upper lipidness, if that's a word, I don't think it is. You know, if you combine that with that, then there's this there's this environment where it's just you know people are not going to want to um, show any sort of vulnerability. People are not going to want to. Um, it, 
you know, show any any sort of anything that they perceive as being a, a, a weakness. Um, I guess interesting, you know, you kind of add to that the things that coaches talk about as being stressors as well. Again, in the research, um, other coaches are a and, and kind of conflict with other coaches is a, is a fairly significant source of stress. So if you are coaching and you've got like 10 other people who are there ready to take your job, do you really want to talk about the fact that, oh, actually, you know, mentally I'm having a bit of a difficult week and I'm experiencing a lot of kind of difficult emotions, you know, kind of a little bit stressed out. Do you want to talk about that stuff, knowing that there's other people there who will come and do your job? Um, m maybe not. So it's that environment, that whole culture around sport um, that I guess is, it makes it difficult to talk about, like I say, things like kindness and vulnerability and self-care and self-compassion. So it's a difficult topic to broach, I think. I think thinking about, again, this this could be different to every coach who's listening to this when they reflect on what kind of that self-compassion or that kindness might look or, or feel like for them. Are there any strategies or examples you're able to share of what coaches could do to be able to kind of um, have a go at some of that and, and, and try it out? Yeah, well, if, if we go again back to the to the literature, uh, Kristen Neff is uh, um, she's done a lot of work in this area of self compassion, and really there are there are three specific areas, I guess, of self compassion uh, that we talk about. So the first one is this, the the kindness, the self kindness that we've we've already mentioned, right? And that's just kind of understanding or showing kindness, showing understanding to yourself when you're experiencing some sort of uh, distress or, you know, when things aren't necessarily going right. So can you show a little bit of kindness to yourself, right? The second part of self-compassion is uh, what's known as common humanity. And this is the idea that my experiences, when I'm experiencing this, this stress, this difficult situation or whatever it is, um, you know, that's, it's part of being human and I'm not the only one who's experiencing this. Again, we have a sort of tendency when we're experiencing stress or whatever. And again, in the high performance environment to look around and see, okay, well, everybody else is managing to cope with it. So I must be the only one that's feeling like this. Whereas if we actually stop and think about it, we know that everybody experiences stress in different ways from different things. So this idea of common humanity is, like I say, understanding your experience is a part of being human and that other people are experiencing the same as you are. And then the third element of self-compassion is, is mindfulness. And that's, can we notice our thoughts? Can we make room for uncomfortable and unpleasant thoughts, feelings, sensations? And this is the key part. Can we do that without judging them as being bad or good? Can we experience, in, can we experience these thoughts, feelings, and sensations and not judge them as bad or good? They're just thoughts and sensations. But again, everybody experiences so they're the three elements of, of self-compassion um i think in terms of kind of practically how you might might do that um obviously mindfulness practice is, is key and i don't want to sound like one of those people who just says yeah do mindfulness that solves all your problems um because i know there are a lot of those people about um but ju just the idea of being able to notice some of the unpleasant thoughts that you might have unpleasant sensations that that, that come up when you're experiencing something difficult, just being able to notice that. So rather than getting caught up in those thoughts, 
I'm a terrible coach. No one's ever going to hire me again. Can we be compassionate? Can we acknowledge that, yeah, what we're going through at the minute is actually quite tough? Uh, and can we reflect on that, you know, realistically? Give us the space to reflect on what we're experiencing more realistically. So the first step isn't just to sit down and like meditate for three hours, you know, at, you know, on a beach at sunset with our legs crossed. The first step is just to practice noticing those thoughts and sensations. So that can be as simple as something like, I don't know, like brushing your teeth or, or doing the washing up, right? Can I just practice noticing all of the different thoughts that come into my head, all the different sensations that I'm experiencing, right? Can I just notice them as experiences and notice how they come and go? And if we can start to do that with little thoughts, little sensations like taste, smells, like say when you're brushing your teeth, if we can practice that and get into the habit of that, then it just becomes easier to do that with other thoughts and sensations as well. We see them as just what they are, strings of words, experiences, physical sensations. So just practicing it helps us to get better at it. The other thing to, to consider here is, um, and this, this sounds really cheesy, yeah, um, but noticing the way that you're speaking to yourself. Again, it's kind of part of this, this, this kindness and compassion thing. Notice how you're speaking to yourself and think about how you might speak to somebody else. How, you might, how, how might you speak to a friend who's experiencing what you're experiencing? But don't just think about what words you would use. Think about what tone you would use. How would you say this to somebody else who's experiencing difficulty or distress? And genuinely, try it out on yourself you know, with your own self-talk. Try using those words and those phrases and in that tone that you would use when you're being kind to somebody else with yourself and just see how it, see how it lands. And again, it's, it sounds like a really cheesy thing to do, but, you know, to anyone who's, who's listening, just, just try it out. You know, next time you're being self-critical, think about what you would say to somebody else in that situation, how you would say it and try and say it to yourself and just see what effect that has on you. Just, just notice. Um, and I think that's that's something that's, like I say, cheesy, but quite powerful um, mm -hmm. if you're willing to, to give it a go. Uh, I, I love the sound of that. And actually what you said then and, and, and a moment ago as well links to another conversation we had on our Coach Developer podcasts about just being really conscious about giving yourself the time to go and think. So not moving from practice to practice or from meeting to meeting or whatever it might be. The, the, the guest that we had kind of shared an example of Bill Gates washing up for 20 minutes a day because he knew he did his best thinking then. He just gave his brain the chance to just, just relax and, and, and digest stuff. And mm. for me, this links really nicely to be able to almost consider how you can create some time in the day where you know you're able to think really clearly and then use that as an opportunity to practice some of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be uh, spending 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You could take 30 seconds. You could take 10 seconds and just focus on your breathing. And during that 10 seconds, just notice how many times you're distracted by a thought or a feeling or a sensation. And every time you are, bring your attention back to breathing, you know, then try it for 30 seconds, then try it for a minute. And all you're doing is you're getting used to, okay, well, there's another thought. There's another thought. There's an, they, they don't matter. They're just thoughts in our heads. And that's true from the simplest things like um, what am I going to have for tea tonight to, oh, my God, I'm a terrible coach. No one's ever going to hire me again. This is my career over, 
Like those two thoughts hold the same weight. We just don't think of them as holding the same weight. So getting used to practicing this idea of just noticing thoughts come and go means that when we do experience those more difficult ones, we can detach from them in exactly the same way that we detach from what am I having for tea tonight? Oh, look, there's a moth, you know, like those types of thoughts. Um, so it's just practicing. And like I said, it doesn't have to be half an hour, an hour. It can be 10 seconds, 20 seconds, build it up. Uh, just find ways of, of, of having that space, like you say, uh, during your day. There was something you said a little earlier, Pete, around, well, actually, coaches, especially in high-performance environments, might find it difficult to be open about some of this stuff uh, because there might be other people looking to, to take their job or, or it's, it's maybe seen as a weakness, perhaps, by, by, by people. Um, I, I appreciate there might not necessarily be a silver bullet of an answer to this question, but I could imagine that if a coach within a coaching team was a, able to be open and honest and share with some of their coaching colleagues that they create space to, to practice this stuff and uh, it's helpful for them, that might almost give permission for other people to to give it a go and, and also, also kind of say, well, it's okay. It's okay to feel tired. It's okay to feel stressed at times. It happens to all of us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about creating a culture where vulnerability um, and, and self-compassion and self-care is as important a piece of the performance puzzle. I didn't mean that to be alliterative, but it turned out that way. It's as important a piece of the performance puzzle as is spending time, you know, coming up with game plans and looking at the X's and O's and, you know, making sure your athletes are, you know, getting on with their programs. You know, it's as important a piece of coaching as everything else is and creating a culture where we're allowed to do that. Now, you know, I ran um, a, uh, an intervention uh, study as part of my PhD. I think I mentioned that at the start. Um, and the, the, the one thing, you know, we did all sorts of different stress management things uh, with these coaches over a period of six weeks. And the one thing that they reflected on in their feedback was just having an hour and a half every week for six weeks to sit in a room with a bunch of other coaches from different sports and just share and talk like openly and without judgment of each other was the most important part of that intervention. Um, and it, it, it comes back to what we said earlier. I think one of them, you know, or, or a couple of them even said that they, they didn't realize that other coaches were experiencing the same things. And just that sudden realization that, oh, oh you're going through that as well. All oh, right, you, you know, that, that stresses you out as well. This is how you respond to stress as well. Like that realization was almost like a light bulb moment for some of them. So, yeah, creating that space and that culture where we can talk about these things openly and, and without judgment, I think, is, uh, is absolutely vital. Uh, a, word, a word you used a couple of times um, a moment ago, and I know this would be kind of our, our third piece, if you like, of our, our first aid kit, was vulnerability. Now, I suppose in coaching, vulnerability at the moment feels like a bit of a, a buzzword. It's, it's used a huge amount. It probably means different things in slightly different situations and, and different contexts. Mm -hmm. So maybe you've alluded to part of that there with, within terms of the, the last piece you've explained about coaches just sharing stuff with, with other people. Um, but what, what does vulnerability look like in terms of coaches really looking after themselves? Um, I think there's, there's two 
elements really to it. There's vulnerability as in um, being comfortable with your own internal experiences. So you have to have a certain level of vulnerability to be able to sit with those thoughts that you think of as unpleasant, right? Those, you know, those anxious thoughts, maybe those unpleasant sensations that go along with that. You need to be vulnerable uh, in yourself to be able to like accept that those things are just kind of part of being human, right? Because it's not pleasant. The feeling of being anxious about something is not pleasant. The feeling of fear is not a pleasant feeling, right? But can we be vulnerable enough to just, okay, I'm experiencing this, these anxious thoughts, right? Can I just allow myself to experience them? Can I allow myself to feel like nervous or sad or frustrated? Or can I just allow myself to do that and for that to be okay? Right? That's the, the, the first part. I think the second part is can we be vulnerable enough to share those experiences? Um, can we be vulnerable enough to talk about uh, mental health or stress or burnout uh, and share that with other people? So for, for me anyway, you know, two different elements. Can I, be, can I be vulnerable with myself and allow myself to experience these things and for it to, to you know, be all right? Uh, and can I share some experiences with other people? Can I be vulnerable in that sense as well? Okay, that, that makes lots of sense. And then drawing it back to a, a point you made earlier, um, but I'd love to just explore a little bit. You, you mentioned that for, for coaches, it might be easier to share with coaches outside of their own environment and outside of their own sport. Um, what, what would be the, I guess, the, the rationale behind that? Well, uh, you know, it, it, it's like you mentioned earlier, the, the, some of the stresses that coaches experience in their, in their work environments, um, again, in the research, have been shown to be related to other coaches and conflicts and the pressure and expectation within that particular environment to produce results. All right. And, you know, we, we mentioned the Superman complex as well, kind of need to be all things to all people. So the idea of opening up within that environment with those pressures to be all those things um, is more, not impossible, but more difficult because of all of those pressures. Um, so it's potentially easier for coaches to open up and show that vulnerability uh, if they can expand their support networks outside of their own sport, because people aren't going to be judging Um you know, somebody from, uh, I don't know, some, like a rowing coach talking to a fencing coach, right? The fencing coach isn't going to be, you know, judgmental about that in a way that another coach who's in the same environment might be. Um, so I think, you know, expanding that network of support beyond your own sport, beyond your own environment um, is, is, is really important to allow that, that vulnerability. If, if you've got some coaches listening to this thinking, well, that's me, right? I'm, I'm stressed and I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed about these things and I don't quite know where to start in terms of going to speak to people or sharing some of this stuff. How can a coach perhaps go and identify the right group or the right people perhaps that they could go and share this with? Because I, I suppose it's one thing finding coaches from other sports, but maybe another finding coaches from other sports who you'd feel really comfortable in, in talking about some of this stuff with? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I did something for the, uh, um, what was the name of the thing that I did the, the few weeks back? <laughs> uh, performance Foundation. 
the Performance Foundation, yeah. So I, I, I did the, uh, a talk on stress and burnout for the Performance Foundation uh, coaching conference a few a few weeks ago. And, you know, that there's a ready-made bunch of coaches who are talking about this stuff, you know. Um, a, a, you know, a ready-made support group there of coaches who were all sharing and talking about their own experiences of burnout. And they were all talking about their experiences of stress. So, you know, find, find those people. You know, put yourself out there. Go to, and I guess it takes an element of vulnerability in order to find other people who are, are willing to be vulnerable, right? But you know, put yourself out there. Go to these like conferences, uh, network with other coaches from other sports, and and it's 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 building a culture from the bottom up, isn't it? It's being, yeah. It takes a little bit of vulnerability to to do that. It's about being perhaps brave in that sense. And once one, two, three, four, five people start talking about this stuff, all of a sudden, everything opens up. Everybody's talking about their stress and their burnout. And it's keeping those conversations going after you leave that conference room, right? After you leave that workshop. Um, and, you know, obviously we've got the technology to do that far better than we did even 10 years ago. You know, we're, we're talking on a, on a, I don't know, what is it, a WebEx call now. So we, we can do that and we can keep those conversations going. I think is, is, is probably the important part there. Thanks. I've got a few final questions just, just to ask you really, if that's okay. And just to kind of recap on the, the three main headings that we've spoken around in the conversation, being around self-awareness, self-compassion and vulnerability. So it's kind of core ingredients for this first aid kit, if you like, the coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it might sound like a really straightforward question with the work that you've done and the experience that you've got, but if coaches are able to take a step towards trying out some um, kind of strategies, considering what it feels like for them, creating space to to kind of be kind and, and to themselves and have this this kind of more positive and, and accepting internal voice, what, what are the benefits? What what should coaches expect to feel and see and and notice about themselves if they become kind of well-practiced and consistent with this? Um, I guess the, I've, I've got a quote, which I think uh, fits really nicely here. And it's from uh, Brene Brown, from one of her, one of her books. Um, and she said that vulnerability is uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Vulnerability is also the birthplace of courage, creativity, and change. And I just think that sums up perfectly what the benefits are of this. It's another way of looking at a performance environment in which stress is absolutely inevitable, in which the emotions, thoughts, sensations, feelings that come up uh, when we experience difficult situations are, you know, they're also inevitable. But can we look at them, like I say, in that in that slightly different way? And if we can do that, then we are, and if, if we can take a step back, you know, again, as you were saying earlier, and allow ourselves the space to be um, self-critical without being self-critical, if that makes sense. Can we reflect on what's actually happening without criticizing the person that we are? We need the space to, to be able to do that. If we can do all of those things, then we can start to move towards what's really important to us as coaches. 
and we can start to move towards what we really value as coaches. But if we're caught up in this idea of, okay, well, I have to be this person and my thoughts are telling me that I'm not and, you know, I'm experiencing these difficult things and I can't separate myself from that, then we're never going to find the space to move towards what's really important to us. So I, I would say that's what the benefits are. If you want to be a, um, uh, a, the, the sort of coach that you want to be, if you want to live the values that you um, that you might have, um, then self-compassion, self-care, self-awareness, vulnerability—they're all kind of parts of that of that puzzle. I think quotes brilliant. We're going to put it in big bold letters. Above <laughs> Um, but you mentioned some words earlier, and I think the language you've used is really interesting as well. So you, you mentioned earlier talking about maybe what people um, see as coaches in high performance, almost having that grit and being robust and that stoicism perhaps. But actually, words around being courageous and creative and supporting change, well, their words for me are, are even more powerful. And I can't think of any coaches who wouldn't want to be able to be those things within their own environment. And I think that that almost in, in 25 words just kind of really sums up really nicely kind of why, why it is important for coaches to, to take a step towards this if, if they feel like that it could really help them with their performance. Um, just a couple of things to, to finish, Pete, would, would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about the people who support coaches, who's uh, maybe a coach developer or a mentor or perhaps a, a tutor, um, how can almost that person who might be in a high performance around a, a coach um, provide some support for coaches to practice these principles um, for themselves? Um, I, I, I think it's about normalising conversations around stress and anxiety and mental health and well-being and burnout and again just accepting that this is part of the environment what we're looking for is when things are slightly different to normal so normalizing conversations around those things and allowing space for those conversations to be had um you know allowing space for coaches to be able to reflect on like is this a normal response to this situation, which we, we know is abnormal. High performance sport is just, it's not normal, right? To be in that situation uh, where we're experiencing that stress and pressure all the time. But like I said, allowing space for those conversations um, around, okay, well, let's let's reflect a little bit on how we're doing this week, you know? And listening in a non-judgmental way. So en- encompassing all of the things that we've, we've been talking about today, that non-judgmental uh approach to okay well what are the thoughts that you've been experiencing the feelings the sensations like can we make room for those conversations and can we just be comfortable with the fact that sometimes it might be a little bit uncomfortable um so i think for people working with coaches i'd say those those three things normalizing allowing space and uh, non-judgmental listening fantastic and it just to kind of conclude our discussion today which by the way has felt like a piece of very public CPD for myself, but I'm thinking <laughs> I need to go and try and apply some of this stuff with, with the coaching that I do. Um, from, from your journey and, and the route that you've been on through your PhD and your experience coaching as well, um, it could be through the research that, that you kind of led on. Is there any gold dust? Is there any kind of standout piece or pieces of information that's always been really memorable for you when kind of investigating this area? 
Um, am I allowed two? You can have two. That's allowed. Okay. Yeah. So the first, the first one is, um, and I think we mentioned this right at the start of the of the podcast that coaches uh, should look at themselves as formers in their own right. All right, that's been a kind of a standard in the in the research in this area for a long time now. Um, that it's not just the athletes who are putting on a performance; coaches are performers as well. And understanding, okay, well, what are the skills that I need to be able to perform? Right? What do I need to do to take care of myself to perform? Because again, if we're thinking about athletes, we're thinking about psychology, nutrition, strength and conditioning, um, you know, like game planning, thinking about all of those things. The same things apply to coaches. So thinking about yourself as a performer, um, I think opens up a whole a whole uh, uh, area of self care that you suddenly realise is important. Um, and the, the the second one, and again, it, it's it's cheesy, but it's it's important and it makes a lot of sense. And I, I have no idea. Numerous people have said it, so I don't know who to attribute it to. Um, but it's the phrase: "You can't pour from an empty cup." I'm sure people have heard that before. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure people are thinking, oh my God, that's really cheesy. But if you think about it, again, it just makes total sense. You can't pour from an empty cup. And what coaches do is pour and pour and pour. And it's about, you know, the whole notion of coaching is about giving everything of yourself to help this athlete or this group of athletes perform well. All right. And Again, coaches from some of the studies that I've done, some of the research I've done, that's a big thing. It's about giving everything of yourself to enable somebody else to, to do well. And you can't do that if you're not looking after yourself. As much as you might want to, you just can't. So you can't pour from an empty cup. Cheesy as hell. Makes total sense. Yeah, love that. Uh, and uh, I think it's a, a really um, poignant point I'm alliterating now, um, <laughs> where actually for a lot of coaches, whether they're coaching in high performance or at different stages of the pathway, a lot of what coaches do is born out of passion for their sport, passion for supporting their athletes. And I think a lot of people might say, and I've said this myself, well, when I'm coaching, I don't feel like I'm working. It's just something that I enjoy doing, but that passion probably gets to a point where when you're sitting up till one in the morning reviewing footage and you're emailing your coaching team at three o'clock with something you've just found in in, in this video or some practice ideas mm -hmm. actually that that passion and that harmony between your your coaching world and the rest of your life starts to blur and, and that maybe going back to your analogy about the seesaw all of a sudden things start to become unbalanced mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and you know, you, you, you um, uh, if your if your athlete was telling you that they were staying up until three o'clock in the morning, going over game plan, watching film, uh, you know, going to bed for two hours, getting up the next morning and trying to go training, like what would you tell them? <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah, you pack that in. <laughs> exactly. Um, so can we can we apply the same thing? So you know, if, if you if you wouldn't if you don't think that your athlete could perform well under those circumstances. What makes you think you could perform well under those circumstances? So it's just that, like I say, seeing yourself as a performer and thinking about all that that encompasses. Brilliant. Awesome message to finish on. Uh, Pete, a huge thank you for, for your time this morning. It's been brilliant to chat to you. 
Um, and I hope and I'm sure everybody who's listening will have taken lots of really useful strategies. It's created some ideas and a, and a whole bunch of quotes as well to, to, to kind of write down. <laughs> I'll have to come up with some of my own next time instead of just stealing other people's. But uh, <laughs> no, th thank you for uh, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it, and uh, and yeah, I hope it's of some use to uh, to anyone listening. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you. Join us.